to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. This is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and a soul healer. I'm joined today with Irene Walsh Garcia. Irene is most passionate about helping women find success in the construction industry. With almost 25 years experience, Irene has experienced firsthand the challenges women face working in the construction industry. Although the road has been anything but smooth, Irene has figured out what it takes to succeed. Irene entered the construction industry as an electrical apprentice for Local 134. After completing the apprenticeship, Irene was encouraged by her foreman to go into project management. In order to prepare for the leap into management, Irene completed a construction management program and passed the supervising electrician's exam. With these additions to her resume, Irene was hired as a junior estimator for an electrical contractor. Even though it was a big adjustment leaving the field for the office, Irene proved very quickly to everyone around her that she had what it takes. Within a year of being hired as an estimator, Irene became the first project manager on a 60-story high-rise. Although completing that project was one of the hardest things Irene has ever done, it fueled her passion for working in the construction industry. Irene has gone on to successfully complete many more projects since that first one. Irene, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. How's it going? Going well. The industry is is very busy right now, and and so am I. The first line of your bio is something that I get really, really jazzed about. And to give everyone a little bit of a background of how you and I met was through the lovely Erin Gallagher and the Fairway Dinners through Ella. And when I heard your story and what you do... I was floored because I've never heard of anyone doing the work that you do. And especially to, you know, the least of it is like keeping women safe in, in, in the construction industry, but it's like so much more than that. So can you tell us a little bit about why you're passionate in the space of women in the construction industry? Why is it important to you? What specifically are you doing? And like, what moves are you doing? What moves are you making uh, to support this passion of yours? There's, there's a lot of different things. My my very first experience running a project, I was completely unsupported. And since finishing it, I continue to have conversations with women in the industry. And I realized that they too were unsupported. And so just through wanting to give them something I didn't have, I started mentoring women, like anyone I came across. Oftentimes they'd be for the general contractors I'd be working with. And, you know, we'd go out to lunch and I would just say, hey, I've, I've, I've been through the ringer before you, if, if I can help in any way. And oftentimes women would take me up on that and they'd ask, you know, how do I get a raise? How do I get a promotion? How do I get that, you know, that other opportunity? You know, so I would, you know, share my experiences and give them advice on their particular situation that I've been doing for quite a while. And it was something I enjoyed those conversations and those lunches like so much that I actually took the step to become a certified coach and actually have a few different certifications because I wanted to be of more value. I wanted to make sure that I was really giving sound advice and and direction in those conversations. I got those certifications a a few years ago. And and so again, continuing to mentor and coach who I could see just needs a little extra help and support. More recently, my focus has shifted a little bit. I'm at around 18 years since I worked in the field as an electrician. And there were a number of reasons I left the field, but many of them revolving around the conditions that exist in general in construction, but specifically towards a lack of support for women in the field. And I was hoping, you know, unfortunately it was in vain that things had improved for women in the field. And realizing that in the 18 years since I left, things are very much the same, I shifted my focus to, you know, how can I help women in the field? And so that's really been 
I guess kind of almost reinvigorated with that and, and seeing like, okay, like I'm determined that in the second half of my career, that things are, don't continue to be the same that they have been in the first half for other women. I've been doing this long enough and I've accomplished enough that I can, I can do these things and make a difference. So quick question on that. Two things. One, when you say women are unsupported in the field, it of course varies across all the workplaces. So can you give examples of what you recognize to be true about back then, like you saying you were unsupported on a project, but also the women that you're talking to, even current day that don't feel supported? What does that specifically mean? It's a big range of what it can mean. So mm-hmm. in certain situations, and, and to be say unsupported, <laughs> it's almost kind of an understatement, right? So there were times that I didn't feel safe on a job because of certain individuals negative attitude towards women in the industry. And, and and the problem with that is that there's no proper way to report an issue. And even if you find, you know, somebody you say, oh, hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my foreman, or I'm going to talk to, you know, so-and-so, it doesn't always work. And, and oftentimes there's retribution for those who do the reporting. And, and that's been a, a big problem. So yeah, so it could, it could be literally all the way to someone not feeling safe. And meaning that, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, my, myself personally and, and other other women being put in dangerous situations unnecessarily, you know, to scare them or or what have you. At the very beginning of my career, I decided where the line was of what I was willing to tolerate and what I was not willing to tolerate. And because you, you can't fight all of it, right? And there certainly were things that uh, I would see or experience in job sites that I didn't like, but I, I, I put up with. So, you know, I put up with the, the pictures and the words written all over the different walls by the elevators and, and by the portage ons and what have you. I put up with the conversations that would, would really turn your stomach as long as they weren't directed at me or as long as they didn't involve violence against women. And those were those are my lines. No violence against women and nothing personal. I, I let everything else go. And I mean, there were many, many days where I would pick up the, the newspaper in the morning. And that's back when people got newspapers on the way to work. I would bury my head in it when we would have our coffee break or our lunch. The conversations were pretty much intolerable. I felt I didn't have a choice but to tolerate them. There came a point where someone was was joking about beating his wife, you know, on the way out of work on a Friday. And I told him, I said, that's not funny. I, I don't, you know, that is not okay. And then on Monday, he's retelling the same joke to someone else. I let him know the joke didn't get any funnier over the weekend. And then he continued to harass me from that point forward, making jokes about, you know, he broke a female apprentice's wrist once because she was talking women's lib. Luckily, I was in a situation where there I, I could go to the foreman and let him know that that was no longer acceptable. I, it was to a point where I could not tolerate it any further. He asked me what I wanted done. And I said, I just don't want him to talk to me. If if he's on one side of the floor, I'm on the other. I, that's fine. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And, that, and that's what it was. He, he talked to him and nothing further happened. Unfortunately, though, on the next project, the only other project that would have been available for me to go to, this gentleman was the steward on that project. So the steward is someone like everyone kind of goes to you know, for, for everything, kind of like the union representative. And so I couldn't go to that job and feel safe with that individual. And so I ended up having to take a layoff. There was no other choice. There was, it was that job or nothing. And I, and I wasn't willing to go there. And unfortunately that happens quite often. When you say there are varying degrees of no support, I'm hoping that the women have their own bathroom facilities and things like that. So they can have their day to day on a site. 
No, but they, even that's not. And, and that was that was really an, another thing that like every time I would go to a new job site, the first thing I looked for, where's the bathroom? You know, acceptable facilities. And, and I wasn't looking for you know anything with marble countertops. <laughs> I just wanted something preferably locking um, and a toilet paper and relatively clean, you know, just the basics. And that was oftentimes a struggle. I was on a job site where there's one portage on for the entire job in a rather dark, unlit corner. And the, the guys didn't want to use it. And so I worked dehydrated all summer in an, in an unconditioned space to avoid going to the bathroom. And, and a lot of women do that. And I was lucky I didn't suffer any long-term consequences, but a lot of women will end up with different infections because of not being able to use proper facilities. I've heard some improvements in that in some areas and some, in some companies, but generally speaking, it's still an issue. And, and actually I was let go a few different times while in the field. And it was because I was seen waiting for the elevator to go use the bathroom on a different floor. The men had one on that floor. I had to go to a different floor. So the general foreman thought that I wasn't working or was wasting time. And I was literally just waiting to use the bathroom, even though my, my direct foreman knew I was busting my butt, knew I was giving him my all. The general foreman saw a snapshot of me waiting and that was enough. And thank you for sharing those specific examples. That's why I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on what the examples were on support, because in some of the different workplaces, support could mean something really different. And what I think you're talking about as it relates to a lack of support is not just only the growth and development aspect, you know, but, but like the, the main humane needs of a woman on a work site is something that you're specifically countering as well. So thank you for sharing those stories. And the other thing I was going to say about the coaching piece to your point, and I received my certification this spring as well. You and I have been coaching our whole careers the whole time, Uh, but it's nice to receive some of these really specific certifications so that we can have those guardrails or parameters to be able to wayfind a little bit. And I, I really love the certification piece and that you can kind of go into different sectors that you'd like to learn more about. And it's really been helpful to me to not only be able to jump into a conversation right away, coaching, but also to continue growing and developing ourselves. So thank you. Amazing job on that. I've been following you since the fairway dinner on social media. And tell me if you don't like the the title unicorn, but I, I call you like this amazing unicorn that's doing this work that I've never heard of. As I read your content and I'm seeing your posts, there was one from four days ago on LinkedIn, and I'm just going to read it out loud. And I just love to hear more about what this was. Why is it important? Why is it cool? And uh, And what came out of it? I had a great morning at Revolution Workshop participating in the mock interviews. We had a chance to talk to five young men looking to enter the construction industry. I know with the training they received at Revolution Workshop, they all have bright features ahead of them. I was also thrilled to hear that Revolution Workshop is starting a project manager program for those interested in going that route. Cool. What is this? (laughs) So Revolution Workshop is a pre-apprenticeship program that is giving individuals in the Chicagoland communities an opportunity, kind of a leg up to get into the unions. You know, these are individuals who, you know, perhaps college wasn't the best option for them, or they just, you know, they're looking... They're just looking for an opportunity where they can get a job that pays well, that has health insurance, that has pensions, that, ha- that has all the things that like really every job should have for anyone who's wor- willing to work hard. You know, the unions are very competitive and, 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 they, and then they offer all those things, right? So they're, they're very desirable jobs and they offer everything you could be looking for for your long-term financial success, but they're hard to get into. And so what the you know, pre-apprenticeship programs do is they, they, they kind of help prepare people for what it takes to get in. 
They're learning how to how to read a tape measure. They're learning all the, the math involved. They're they get helping resumes together. And when we were there, they had all these like tiny houses built in their facility. And so you got to see what these individuals have been working on. And you can see how much work and how much care they put into these houses. And so by by doing this, in, in Revolution Workshop works to really give these individuals all the support they need. So they help them, again, work with the different unions, help them get in there. And then once they're in there, they, they support them in any way they can. You know, several of these people we spoke with mentioned, he's like, he's like, I really didn't have a family until I came to Revolution Workshop. And, and they they become that for me. And you could just feel, you know, the kind of the love and caring in, in everyone within that organization. And, and it's just, you know, I've been volunteering there for about a year about when I found out about what they were doing. And I was just so impressed with the program and with the people that I met that I just, you know, I, I just, I've done, you know, several of the mock interviews. And the last one I got to a few months ago, there were several individuals who mentioned wanting to become project managers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know something about that. I happen to have a conversation asking, is that something you guys would be looking to offer these individuals. And it was something they were considering. And so this last time I went, I was told they actually did have a full project manager program. And I'm like, that's phenomenal. So I will be doing that, helping, I'll be showing up to to talk a little bit in about a week for that program, offering, you know, my experience, you know, what what I've learned and and any help, you know, that I can offer in that. Really incredible. Does Revolution Workshop help young women as well? Yeah, so it's open to anyone in the in the Chicagoland communities around there. So yeah, so there certainly there there's more men in the program than women, but in Chicago there's also Chicago Women in Trades, and so that is another pre apprenticeship program that's specifically for women. You know, it's, it's, so I mean, both programs are, are phenomenal. They're they're both doing amazing things. And like I said, they're they're giving opportunities for, to people who may not otherwise have an opportunity, and it's just really just the gratitude and, and the positivity you can feel when, you know, when you're talking to these individuals is is fantastic. Knowing that inequitable treatment, to say the least, on work sites, what would you say is being done at that kind of entry level, whether it's Revolution Workshop or Chicago Women in Trade, like what is being done at the more entry level places so that there's not that behavior being replicated from generation to generation? So it's a complicated question. And and it's actually, I am working on with professional women in construction. I am part of that organization. And we are doing a fall panel that's going to be on November 2nd. And we're putting together a group of people who from different parts of the construction industry to speak to exactly that. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of that. And it's been something that's, that's been important to me through my time with professional women in construction which is such an amazing group of, of women in this industry. I initially saw that there weren't other, there weren't other tradespeople. And so I started having conversations and, you know, it's really, it wasn't intentional. They're just, that's just not who was, was showing up. Right. And so I was the one person who was from the trades, but on the, on the manager side. And so I started having conversations saying, Hey, what can we do about this? Because, you know, we're having conversations about how things have improved for construction managers or architects or engineers, but I'm, I'm here to remind everyone, like women who are in the field are not having those same improvements, but how can we enjoy our improvements if not everybody's experiencing that? And so through those conversations, got it approved and agreed to have this panel where we're going to be 
addressing the labor shortage. Everyone's talking about this labor shortage. Whereas if they would shift the focus to how do we just make the construction industry better so people stay in it. So it's about, so we're going to, you know, talk about addressing the labor shortage by retaining and recruiting women and people of color. So across the board, things need to improve in the industry, right? Like there's just kind of a lot of, a lot of negativity in a lot of ways. Like the suicide rate is, is I think probably the worst in any other industry. There might be one other industry that's worse, but we're, we're, we're right, right up there. So it's beyond, it's even beyond the obvious things, right? So, but if we, you know, start by looking at what we can do to improve things for women and people of color, the situation will improve for everyone. Again, there's a lot of different ways. And I'm excited to be part of the panel where we're going to be, you know, getting different perspectives and talking about real solutions, but we don't have to have a labor shortage. There, there's an, uh, you know, there's the retention for women and people of color is, is astronomically poor. And it's because of the conditions that they face. Not only, you know, some of the stuff that I've already mentioned in terms of my, my experience, but oftentimes they don't get the training they need. So they go through, you know, an apprenticeship program to a certain extent, but most of the training is on the job. And oftentimes, if you're a woman or person of color, you are not being given the same opportunity as everyone else. And if you don't receive the training, ultimately people are not willing to pay you the wages of a union worker. So it's just, I've seen it many times. I've, I've, you know, heard other people's stories about, you know, becoming, you know, a journey person and not having the training um, because of the lack of opportunity or, you know, they're being told like, well, you're going to move material. And then, you know, while the person who is, you know, younger than they are or less experienced that they're given the opportunity to really work. And so it's just, it's kind of a bigger, bigger problem overall, but it's certainly that it can be addressed if enough focus is put on it. Is it fair to say that the ultimate person responsible for equity on a work site is the on-site project manager or foreman? It's um, it's not as clear cut as that, right? Because you know, if I'm if I'm on a job site and I'm you know working with someone and I'm not being trained or not being treated properly, not it's sometimes you no one it's possible for that to go on and not have people know. However, the tone should be set so that people know that if they're having a problem that they can bring it to that lead person's attention if they happens to be you know the general foreman or superintendent or what have you so there there is a lack of of that reporting or, or knowing how to report without jeopardizing one's job that just is not there yet so myself as a project manager i wouldn't know if someone on my job is having a bad time they would have to make a really big deal for it to come to me. So it, the culture needs to change. And, and there's there's a number of, of pieces around that. But generally, you know, people don't know where to go, again, without fear for attribution. And that speaks really aligned with the fact that overall, like industry agnostic right now, the workplace, as we're dealing through intergenerational trauma and learning, unlearning all of that, it feels like I'm having the same conversation over and over again, regardless of the industry. And what's interesting is like Aaron's events and the Fairway and Ella are bringing us all together as women saying, okay, whether you're in construction, financial, it's like, it's this wave of humanity forgetting what it's like to be a human. Or for me, what I call it, or what I refer to it as, we have been operating in the divine masculine and not even divine masculine, in the masculine <laughs> yes. for thousands of years, especially. <clears throat> 
over the past hundred years, the divine feminine has been cast aside. We're seeing like, if anyone was asking, why is that? Well, this is why, because and, and like anything else, there needs to be a balance between the masculine and feminine. And I'm not just speaking about the physical form of man and woman. I'm talking about this soul, spiritual aspect of divine feminine and masculine. And when they work harmoniously together beautifully, amazing change happens. But we have not been willing to bring heart, nurturing, and caring into the workplace, which by the way, doesn't mean that you have to be warm, fuzzy with everybody. What it means is you treat each other humanely and you genuinely care about the well-being when you're spending I don't know, is it 70 or 80% of your time in the workplace with these people? And so thank you for allowing me for a tangent there for a second. My point is we're feeling all of this on every industry, every everything. So what I loved hearing, especially the work that you do, we're literally on the front lines, whether it be one by one or panel by panel, we're talking about it and advocating for change. I have talked a lot about recently, it's like, we're angry. Yeah, we're angry sometimes because it's been so unacceptable. And with that anger comes beautiful passion and inspiration for someone to do something and identifying who is ultimately responsible for or accountable for the well-being of a person is is kind of like the same question throughout any industry in my experience, because in the, in the corporate world, if you talk to HR, they're not going to be there for you. They're there for the company. So it's really, it's really asking like, who is it? Who is it? So when I hear you working with a professional woman in construction, that's amazing. And my, I guess my question is what is the next step after that panel? And is there anything being done on like a federal level for the safety and well-being of women and people of color on a construction site? Is there something federal being done? So Chicago Women in Trades does specifically work on policy, like legal policy. And what they've been working on this past year is to try to create that accountability, right? So companies kind of demanding that companies report who they're hiring. So kind of first identifying like, okay, how many women do you have working for you? How many people of color do you have working for you? Because without the numbers, without really knowing that, it's it's hard to kind of go from there, right? Like we generally feel like we know, like where we've had the conversations that like women and people of color are, are underrepresented. But until we have the hard numbers and we can see which companies are doing well and which companies are doing poorly, it's it's hard to really push for change, right? You, you got to, you got to start with the facts. And so that's, what's being done there. But I, I, you know, I've had this conversation because I actually have a, a tradeswoman subcommittee in my mentorship committee within professional women in construction, where, you know, we're, we're talking about like, you know, you know, we're focusing on the panel, but we are talking next steps because we're all very focused on creating a change in this industry. And it, couldn't there be, you know, like, just like there's like a better business bureau, right? Like what if there was like an other entity where companies could be reported for not treating their people well. And I mean, the EEOC, it does some things, right? There's a certain amount there, but like, there's, that's not enough. It's clearly not enough because we are where we are. My body's lighting up from head to toe. So <laughs> I've been thinking about a lot over the past year is what if there were an OSHA or an EPA for employees that have received mental or emotional abuse? Because there's no precedent. Um, there's only out, it only has to be like egregious physical, sexual, like often sexual harassment. And you have to be able to prove it, of course. But what if there was like an OSHA type federal organization that when you incur experience 
mental or emotional abuse, you're able to write them and they investigate. How? Yes. I feel like it's the same thing that we're talking about here. It's 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 a hundred it's a hundred percent the same because here's the thing: what OSHA has done in the last twenty some years has a hundred percent changed the safety in the industry. Companies have to do X, Y, and Z, and there's all these trainings. There's huge priority. You have to have, you know, everyone needs like a basic OSHA ten, but you also have to have someone with an OSHA thirty who who they're qualified. They're qualified and trained in safety. That is given the priority which it deserves, right? But that's physical safety. What about like psychological safety? And that all plays into making job sites better for everyone, but it's not it's not given the priority. But why isn't it? Why is that less than the physical safety? Because people are killing themselves. It's not even they're falling off of a building. People are killing themselves. And because of the, the lack of priority on this, but I, I truly feel if things shift as they, as I, I feel like we're on the cusp. Like, I feel like things are starting to very slowly move in that direction where if we start prioritizing, you know, psychological safety, the same way as physical safety, then I, then I believe we can change it all. Absolutely. I'm so with you and I'm not a tradeswoman historically, but I'd love to be on something where we talk about that. <laughs> what I see, Irene, is that it's almost bringing like a representative or a spokesperson from each kind of industry. This is industry agnostic, that we're talking about something that would be able to set in place guardrails for people. I'm excited to hear that you are already on the cusp of it. And I feel it too. Irene, there's so many humans awakening to the fact that all right, we've been seeing how, let's just say the U.S., we've been seeing how the U.S. has been operating in the workplace and humanity overall. We think we can do better. We know we can do better. And things are starting to shift. And because of women like you and me and Aaron and all the ladies of the fairway, and because of all of us and millions of women out there, we're providing that divine feminine coming back in and saying, let's add some humanity back in. And that ripple effect is pretty exquisite. And that's what we're going to start seeing over our lifetimes. So I'm excited for that. What would you say to people, industries, the industry, or anyone else that supports what you do and like gets what you're saying? And, and also what would you say to the good old boys club that, uh, especially toward your industry about this work that you're trying to do? So. Ultimately, if what I'm trying to do is successful, and it will be, because I'm not going to rest until it is, when I succeed, because I'm not stopping, ultimately, this work benefits everyone. And a large part of what I see as contributing to women and people of color not getting the treatment and training that they need and deserve is that construction, the general model of construction is stressful. When you're on a job, you are working yourself out of a job. At all times, you're working yourself out of a job. So that in and of itself is crazy stressful. And why is that? Because you're, you're once you finish the job, you're done. Like you know, if you if once I finish that high rise, I'm hopefully on to the next project. And so just the nature of it is super stressful. And there oftentimes is insufficient communication between the office side and the field side. So in the office, right, like we're pursuing the next project. We know what's going on. Like we're looking at, you know, manpower. We're, we're projecting our labor needs. Like 
you know, we have like, we don't know everything is, you know, there's as things change in a heartbeat, sure, but we have more information. And I feel if there was better communication between the office side and the field side, if we're saying, hey, this job is finishing up. However, like we have a place for everyone to go, or this is what this is going to look like, or this is what we see for you. This is what we're trying to do. If there was just that greater feeling of we're in this together, and this is what that looks like, I feel that I think just mental health would improve. I feel like that the suicide rates would improve. I feel like there wouldn't be that kind of us versus them that occurs. You know, if you're feeling like you're fighting for your survival and the survival of your family and every job you're on, you're not going to be as friendly towards someone who doesn't look like you. You're, you might help you know, might be willing to help, you know, that guy next to you who's your neighbor or, or what have you, but you're not necessarily going to give someone else a chance if you feel like your livelihood is being threatened by them being there or they're possibly taking away an opportunity from you. So it's a whole shift that needs to happen. And it really starts just by creating that feeling of safety because without that, there's nothing. And I mean, it's a whole um, hierarchy of needs, right? Like if you don't feel you know safe and your basic needs are being met, you're not operating at a higher level or really thinking about anything beyond your immediate, you know, next meal or next paycheck. And that makes sense as to why some workers feel like they can act anyway, because they're like, F it, this might be my last job or whatever. Wow. Is there anything else you'd like to add before closing remarks as we wind down? I feel the change is coming. I, I feel that the construction industry can be a wonderful industry for everyone to work in. And there doesn't have to be this kind of lack mentality that happens. And and, and I, and then, like I said, I described the reasons for it. So I understand it, but I feel like there's work that can be done fairly easily. Just in terms of, you know, like you mentioned, kind of incorporating that divine feminine side, right? Just compassion, communication, just those basic things to kind of counteract what is ultimately a very hyper-masculine industry. And it's not that it doesn't mean people have to change who they are or anything else, but just realizing that you need both. You, you need that balance. And without that balance, things don't work as well. And so if people are willing to be open to that and, and willing to, you know, relax a little bit, that we really can make a huge difference in this industry for everyone. And, and we can all go safely home at the end of the day. Thank you, Irene.